Well, one too loud for me. <laughs> Might be too loud for some people. I don't know. Verse 77. Untitled this uh, Times of Trouble and Depression. You know, I used to think that once you're a child of God and, and, and you, you live in his grace and his mercy, that you should be happy all the time. I quickly realized that that's not quite possible in this life we live in. We know that God loves us, and we know that we have uh, forgiveness of sin. We know we're his child, but uh, this world is rough. It's rough on us sometimes, isn't it? Uh, so I just wanted to spend some time this morning and talk about depression, the problems that we have, and, and how God will help us with that. Because there are times in our lives when we stumble and fall into sadness that, that we can't seem to shake. And it happens to all of us. And I'm not talking about clinical depression. Clinical depression is a physical condition that uh, must be diagnosed by a physician, and, and it's a medical issue, and it may need medication and counseling, and, and, and that's a whole different thing. But I'm going to talk about... Uh, day-to-day uh, -day troubles that seem to get, get us down. And it's easy to become depressed in this world we live in. And depression affects millions of people, Christians and non-Christians. Those suffering from depression can experience intense feelings of sadness and anger, hopelessness, fatigue, and so on. They may lose interest in the things and people that they once enjoyed. And when you look at all the people in the Bible, you see that most of them, at one time or another, suffered from discouragement and depression. Moses asked God to take his life. So did Jonah, right after that big revival in Nineveh. He wanted God to take him. Jeremiah, the prophet, wrote this in Lamentations, uh, chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. He said, He hath also broken my teeth with gravel stones. He hath covered me with ashes, and thou hast covered, hath recovered my soul uh, far off from peace, I forget prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. Sounds like a man in great despair, doesn't it? Paul knew about this. Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, he said that we desp despaired even of life. Paul said his trouble was so bad, he despaired his life. Elijah who James said was a man of flesh and bone, just like we are. And he got down at times when his emotions got the better of him. And then there's Job. Job was blameless and upright, and, but his great loss and, and long, painful illness brought him to a low point in his life. And in Job chapter 7, verse 67, he said, My days are swifter than the weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. I remember that my life is when my eyes shall no more see good. He felt hopeless, and he could never see anything good happen in his life again. And there are many other examples in the Bible. All people, even God's people, experience deep times of discouragement and despair. And all of us have uh, known setbacks and grief of loss and the effects of stress. It is human to, uh, to fall 
to feel the fall of depression in our lives. Many times Christians add to that burden. We try to make things better, don't we? But sometimes we make things worse. Christians say things like, you need more faith. Uh, you just need to rejoice in the Lord. You need to get back to the house of God. And, and you need just to get up and get going. Instead of trying to help them and trying to offer Christian comfort and sympathy, we offer a pep talk. And sometimes this makes things worse and it leads people to fake happiness. But today I want us to look at God's Word to see how to handle discouragement and depression. So let's read Psalms 77, 1 through 20. It says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. And in the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My sore ran in the, the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled, and I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed, Selah. Thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old and the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doeth his promises fail forevermore? Hath God uh, forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut his tender mercies? Say a lot. And I said, this is my infirmity. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy works and talk of thy doing. The way, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary, who is so great a God as our God. Thou art the God that does wonders. Thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast with thine arm redeemed thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph, Selah. The waters, shall see, the waters saw thee, O God. The waters saw thee. They were afraid. The depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out the water. The sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. And the voice of thy thunder was in heaven, and lightning uh, lighteth the world. And the earth trembled and shook. Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we thank you for this time we have together. And Father, we thank you that you are the answer to whatever problem we have, to whatever concern we have. To whatever notion that comes through our mind, you're the answer. But Father, sometimes we get bogged down in life. We get in a fog, Father, of uh, problems and, and cares of this life, Father, that sometimes we don't see you. And sometimes, Father, we reach out in anger and blame you. But Father, you want us to come to you. You don't want us to put on a mask and pretend like everything's okay. You want us to come and be honest with you because you're our Father and you love us. And you have plans for us, Father, that, that we don't even know about. 
Father, help us now. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that's, that's suffering from troubles and from depression, Father, that, that this will be a, a step in the direction, Father, of getting closer to you and see exactly what you can do for them. Father, help us all, Father. We all struggle from time to time with different things. But, Father, you are the answer. Now, Lord, be with us as we get into your word. Of course, in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen. So the message of the psalm is that if we focus on our sorrows and troubles, we are likely to find depression every time. But when we focus on God's great works, we are reminded that we are in his hands and our life is filled with light. It's completely different, isn't it? So what's the first step in dealing with depression? Well, here it says to take your troubles to God. Look at verses 1 through 3 again. It says, And I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice. And he gave ear unto me. And in the day of my trouble I sought the Lord, and my sore ran in the night, and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and, and, and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. This seems like an easy first step, doesn't it? That all Christians should know. But too many times we try to handle things on our own. And when all we do is make things worse and, and more complicated and we make things uh, become more depressed, you can hear the psalmist's hopelessness here. He draws us a picture of someone who is depressed. He cried out to God and God heard him. In verse 2 he says, my trouble. Uh, this describes the feeling of being uh, in a room and feel like the, the walls are closing in on you. It's like he is in a dark tunnel and there's no light at the end of it. And when he says, my soul refused to be comforted, he is saying that he has tried to shake off this feeling on his own and he can't do it. He said, I can't find any comfort here. I, I go about my business, I do my work, I do this, I, I try to keep going, but I can't find any comfort. He says, my spirit was overwhelmed. The more he tried, his trouble seemed to grow and his spirit became weaker and weaker. He can't sleep. His emotions have blocked out reason. He feels like he's drowning, and he is reaching out, longing to be saved. Maybe you felt this way. Maybe you feel this way now. Well, don't miss what the psalmist did next. In his battle with depression, he doesn't pretend. No fake happiness. He doesn't turn to anything to help to, for him to cope. He got honest with God. He cried to God. He complained. God doesn't want, uh, want us to be fake. He wants us to be real with him. He, I want my children to come to me and tell me what's on their mind. I don't want them, I don't want them to say, is everything okay? And they say, everything's okay. I don't want that. I want them to say, no, this is not okay, and this is going on. I want them to be able to come to me open, without fear. And that's what we have with God. God doesn't want you to be ashamed of something in your life or or a problem that you're facing. He wants you to come to him. He cried out to God. He complained. If you're, a, if, if, you're, if you're his child, he loves you no matter what. And he wants us to be honest with him. And how can God help us if we pretend to be happy? We take our troubles to the Lord and he will lead us to peace. Don't be afraid to admit what you're going through. Look at verses 7 through 9. Just listen to what he says here. 
He says, will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy gone, clean gone forever? Doeth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Here the psalmist is showing his despair by questions that he asked God. All his emotions are seen in these questions. He didn't try to hide them from God. He was real and honest and humble. He asked God the hard questions that depression raises. He asked, has God forgotten me? Has the Lord's mercy completely gone? Does God's promises fail? Has God forgotten his grace? Has God replaced his tender mercies with anger? See, there's something the devil wants you to understand. He wants you to take your depression, he wants you to take your troubles, and he wants you to put them on God. That it's God's fault. That God doesn't love you. That God has forsaken you. That God's going to leave you in your sadness and your misery. And that is a lie. Because God loves you. And he's your heavenly father. And don't be ashamed to admit your depression and, and, and how it's made you feel. God's not angry at our questions. He has the answers that we need. Psalms 34, 18 says, And the Lord is nigh unto them that are brokenhearted, and say the such as has a contrite spirit. God said, you're brokenhearted, come to me. Tell your father what's wrong. Pour your heart out to God. He is waiting to hear from you. And he wants to answer your questions. So cry out to God. Tell him what's going on. What do we do next? After you take your problems to the Lord, then look to change your focus. Look at 4 through 6. It says, Thou holdest my eye awake, my eyes awake. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old and the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance thy song in the night. I commune with thine, mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Hmm. Had a sleepless night. I've had many sleepless nights. In the last few months, with the things that are going on with uh, my family and our church family and the, and the things that I know that you all are struggling with, different people, and I spent a lot of sleepless nights. But here, the psalmist, sleepless nights, he realizes that God has kept him awake for a reason. He laid there, unable to speak. In the quiet of his mind, he remembered better times. He was able to focus on the past times when God seemed so near and there was only a song in his heart. Sometimes depression is so blinding that it blocks out everything else. But God kept him awake and silent so that he could remember that this is just the season that he is in. This is just a short time. This is winter. And I was coming across the mountain and I'm looking and the clouds are gray and, and, and it's kind of spitting snow a little bit and and everything's dead, and it's cold. But if you sit and look at it and dwell on it, you may think it's always going to be like that, but it hasn't been, has it? I can think back to the fall when the world was full of color. I can think back to summer when the sun was shining and the birds were singing. Whatever we're going through, whatever problems we have, whatever depression you're facing with, it's only for a season. God says, I have something better for you. Spring is coming. 
God wants the psalmist to know that this is just a time in your life. Think back, focus on the times when things were better. Look at verse 10 through 12, it says, And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord, and surely I will remember thy wonders of old. And I will meditate also of all thy works and talk of thy doings. He said, I'm going to remember when God felt so close to me. I'm going to remember all the blessings that I have in my life and how God has worked it out in, in my life. All those problems that I had before, God worked them out. Remember his grace, mercy, and forgiveness. It's important for us to regain perspective. I remember when BJ almost died, and I've told this story many times, and I'm not going to tell it again. Sometimes I feel like I get up and repeat myself over and over and over again. But I was so angry with God. God finally blessed us with a child. Missy was pregnant, and she had this baby boy, and he's uh, uh, not even two years old now, and he looks like he's going to die. I was so angry. I said, why would you wait this long to give me a child and take it away? I lost perspective of who God is. God's not a vengeful God. God's not looking to take revenge on us for our sins and for our problems and for our failures. God's wanting to bless us when we come to him, to give us the mercy and the grace that we don't deserve. And when you recall all God has done, you encourage your heart, and there is hope for tomorrow. We serve a God that never changes. If God loved you in the past and gave you all these wonderful blessings, what makes you think now he hates you and is going to leave you in your despair and your sadness? Psalms 86.15 says, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous of mercy and truth. That's our God. And this never changes. And this should be our focus. No matter what turmoil our mind is in, no matter what our emotions are doing to us, no matter what we're going through, our focus needs to be on God's plan for our life. And he has a plan. John uh, 16.33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In him we can have peace. God can overcome the darkness of depression and fill us with his peace if we change our focus from the problem to our loving Heavenly Father. We must put our focus on God. And finally, know that praising God makes our troubles seem smaller. Look at verse 13. Thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? There's something about worship, isn't there, that recharges us spiritually. But worship is not natural to a, to a person who's in depression. We come here today to worship God together. We gather here, uh, and it helps us in the, for the week to come. It helps us from the week we just had. It prepares us for, for, for whatever this world's going to throw at us. The songs that we hear and we sing, the words of those songs and the melody can stay in our mind and our heart and can contain it, and we can carry it on with us as we go through our day. We must worship God for who He is. First Chronicles 29.11 gives us a good idea of who God is. 
Thine, O Lord, is the greatest. And power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted above all. We come here to worship God because he's the only one that deserves our worship. He's over our feelings. He's over our condition. He's over our sin. He's over our life. Our feelings in the times of trouble doesn't change who God is. Psalms 42.11 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Thou... I hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. The psalmist willed himself to worship. He didn't feel like it. He couldn't, he couldn't sleep that night. He, he stayed awake. He, 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 his soul wouldn't be, wouldn't be comforted. He couldn't find no peace, but he made himself worship God because he knew who God was. And that's one thing that doesn't change. Whatever's happening to us, whatever we're going through, God is still God. God is still the creator of everything. Like I told the children, he created the world, spoke it into existence. He, he picked up some clay and blew life into it, created man. He loves us. He, he is the wonderful God of creation. When, when sin came into the world, he immediately, even before the sin came into the world, immediately he had a plan of redemption to send his son to die on the cross. To take away the sins of the world so we could have eternal life. And one day Jesus is coming back for that final battle to end evil and sin and take us all home to be with him. He willed himself to worship. He concentrated on the benefits that come from God himself. He proclaims in chapter, in verse 13, that God's way is in the sanctuary. We must come to God's holy temple. Now listen, the Bible says we're the temple of the living God. God lives inside of us. But there's something special about coming to church with God's believers and worshiping together. And there's something that comes here that God wants to make us a family. And we talked about it on Wednesday night that we're each a, a, a part of the body of Christ. We may be a hand, we may be a foot, we may be an eye, we may be an ear. But everybody who works here, who works together to form the body of Christ. So if we're here together, if we have unity, if we're representing the body of Christ, then we should comfort one another. Listen, we should, be, we should be outreach to people. We talk about outreach to the world. We need to outreach to each other to make sure everybody is in a good place spiritually, physically, emotionally. I love my family. I love my church family. I said that just a little while ago. And if something's bothering you, it's bothering me. If something makes you happy, it makes me happy. If something makes you cry, then I'm going to cry. It's that caring that we have for each other that we need to have, that we need to look at people and understand that this person just ain't somebody I go to church with. This person ain't just somebody I see once a week. This is someone who's part of my family, who God has put me together intentionally with, who God has formed us together to form the body of Christ so we can go out into the world and tell people about his son. But in order for us to do that, we need to love each other and care for each other. We need to worship God together. He proclaims in verse 13 here that this is the sanctuary. God is in the sanctuary. God is here. We come here every Sunday because God is in this place. Jan sings 
and leads us in singing to God. Linda plays the piano, not for us to hear, but for God. And the one reason why we get a blessing out of it is because she's playing for God. I come up here with this message. It's not my message. This is God's message. This is a hard sermon for me to preach because I want you to know I've suffered depression. I've had problems, and, and, and we all go through this. And sometimes, it's be- sometimes we feel like there's certain things we need, don't need to talk about. Well, that's, that's crazy. There's everything we should talk about if we love each other and care about each other. So we go and be in God's presence. Look at verse 14 through 15. It says, Thou art the God that does wonders. Thou, thou hast declared thy strength among the people. Thou hast, with times, with thine arm, redeemed the, thy people and the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Our God is a miracle-working God. Amen. If you're here today, you're no longer in your trespasses and sins, but you're here today in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's a miracle. Amen. Because that took a supernatural power. That took a supernatural God who came to earth, wrapped himself in flesh, and went to the cross and died for you. That's a miracle. Because you couldn't get that any other way. And here, the psalmist, is the, he's declared it. Uh, he, he, he shows her that God declared his strength to the Egyptians to get his people out of Egypt. Our God is a redeemer. He wants to redeem you out of your sin, redeem you out of your sadness. He wants to set you on that rock where you can look around and see the sun. God wouldn't let his children stay in slavery in Egypt. Why would he leave us in a slave to depression? Look at 16 through 20. It says, The waters saw thee, O God, the waters saw thee. They were afraid, and the depths also were troubled. The clouds poured out water, and the sky sent out a sound. Thine arrows also went abroad. And the voice of thy thunder was in the heaven, and lightnings lightened the earth, and the earth trembled and shook. And thy, thy way in the, in, is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Thou leadest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The psalmist here, de- has, here declares God's power and strength in remembering his activities, his actions in Egypt. Supernatural actions by God with the purpose of redeeming his people. And God wants to lead us to where we need to be. And the blessings is not when, we, when our trouble ends. The blessing is knowing that we belong to a supernatural God who controls our life, who has our soul in his hand, who will never let go, who will never forsake us, who will never turn away from us, and he's leading us to the promised land. The the psalm opened with a cry of doubt and despair, but it ends with worship that moved him to declare his faith in God. If you're sick, you go to the doctor and get medicine, and you take that medicine to feel better. Well, if you're broken hearted and cast down, your medicine is to praise God. Amen. Praise God. Lift up your voice and praise him for who he is. If our God can lead the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea by splitting it open, there's nothing he can do for us. If you believe that, if you believe that he split the Red Sea, if you believe that he led them all through the wilderness and took them to the promised land, then trust that he can lead you through the valley of despair and depression to a place of worship and celebration. 
The psalmist began with a big problem and a little God. But he prayed. God answered. He remembered God's faithfulness and the power of the past and the strength that he had got through God and his hope for the future. And he worshiped God and he ended up with a big God and a little problem. So what should we do when we're depressed? We'll first confess it to God. And depression isn't a sin. It is a weakness that, that we can't pretend doesn't exist. Maybe I shouldn't say confess it to God. Maybe I should say admit it to God. Say, God, listen, I love you. I know you love me. I know you've given me eternal life. I know I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. I know all this, but I am struggling, God, because the circumstances of this life has got me down. Don't pretend. Admit it to God. And then what? Seek, his, seek God in the sanctuary, the place of worship and prayer and other believers. And then encourage yourself in the Lord. You want to encourage yourself? In the Lord, read Psalms 34. Starting verse 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at, at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord, and humble shall hear thereof, and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him, and were lightened, and their face were not, faces were not ashamed. The poor man cried, and the Lord hear him, and saved him out of his troubles. Encourage yourself in the Lord. And then finally, testify to others how God is working in your life. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. Church, we need to be a blessing. Listen, God has plans for us. We're to be a blessing to the world. Because we have the gospel and the world doesn't. But we're also to be a blessing to each other. Because we've all came through trials and tribulations. We've all faced problems. So we're there to help other people face problems. Be a blessing. Be an encouragement to someone. Let's be the body of Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm not going to sit here and say that I, I, I or claim to know that everything that you're going through. And I realize there's things that you're facing in your life that I have no idea. But I do know that because God has put us together and God's an intentional God and He doesn't do anything by accident or by chance. And the reason we're here together is we're going to love each other and care for each other. And I may not know what you're going through, but I want you to know I'm going through it with you because I see you sad and suffering and I am too. Church, we need to be able to draw comfort from each other. We join a church family so we can work for God, and we, we go where God wants us to do and do what God wants us to do. But the benefits of being here is that God has surrounded us by people who love us and care for us. I come here on Sunday to see my church family, to be encouraged, to be blessed, and to try to be a blessing. 
there's suffering in this world. There's sadness in this world that blocks out who God is in their lives. And they need to be reminded that God loves them and God cares for them. Listen, the stronger we are together as a body of believers, the stronger our testimony will be, the stronger our witness will be, the more impactful our outreach will be. Listen, we, we can't go out with just the message of the gospel. We need to go out and show people that we actually care about them, that, that there's love behind our words, that there's, there's an action that comes with that, that we care, we love, and, and we want to share the gospel from a place that we love them and we want them to, to know the benefits of knowing God. And it begins when we care about each other. So dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you, Father, right now. Broken, contrite hearts, Father. Father, we all know we're not where we need to be. This is a process, we know. That we don't automatically become saved, we're automatically Christ-like. We grow to be more and more like your son. But Father, every day you give us an opportunity to grow in that, in, in that likeness of him. You present opportunities, Father. People we can talk to and help. People we can love and care about. Father, don't let those pass away from us. Father, we're going to do the work that you've called us to do. It means you're working on each individual heart. And Father, let us rejoice together. But let us also be sad together. Let us be helpful to each other, loving and caring, and show that tender mercy that you showed us to others. Father, make us a group of believers who have an outreach into the world, that the world knows that the message of the gospel is coming from a place of love so that they will believe. 